Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. Rashad's out today. It is myself, Mike Lynch, and Joe Fish with you until 11 o'clock. You know, I think I'm going to be sick next Sunday. I'm feeling it. Well, I'm already out, so. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> next Sunday. You're not allowed. No, I, I will preface this right now. There will be a Sunday where I want to play golf. Whether it's in two, three, four weeks from now, I don't know. But there will be a Sunday I'm out because I'd want to go play golf. Uh-huh. And nobody. Uh-huh. Nobody can play golf during the weekdays, you know, like at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Why, why not Saturday, Joseph? I work Saturdays at my other job. Yeah, but not in the morning. I'm only saying I have no idea. I'm only saying I that. could get nine in. <laughs> I could get nine in, but I want to get a full 18. And uh, being able to do that, it's uh, you need like at least five hours to get that in. Oh, which is one of the things like, yeah, I would have no idea. I, I love golf, but that is one of the things. It's like you got to carve out five to five and a half hours of a day to get 18 holes in. Yeah, that that is part of the reason that I don't play golf. The other part is that I just don't like the sport that much. But, um, you know, I've, I've gone like hit the ball around and stuff or I've gone to, you know, like top golf or driving range or whatever. But I've never in my life played around the golf ever. Um, nor have I ever been invited to play around of golf. So I guess that's probably, <laughs> that's probably a uh, part of the reason too. But, um, 
five hours out of your day? Basically. That's I mean, a long time. I mean, I can, by myself, I can crank out nine holes within two hours. Just just under, probably. But the more people that you add, the longer it's going to take, right? You know, you have two, three, four people in your group, and you got to go 18 holes. I mean, that two hours uh, for nine may, might turn into two and a half, three, and then you play another 18. I mean, you stop at the turn. You go and get a, some hot dogs and beers, and you take a break there. And, yeah, that then turns into a five-and-a-half-hour, maybe six-hour ordeal. Depends on how drunk anybody, everybody is in the group, too. Having to take breaks for throwing up off of the green, you know. It, stuff like that happens. It's a very long time. It is. It's uh, especially for someone who doesn't like the sport that much. Uh, even if I, like, I grew to appreciate playing it that's a long time to something that like i don't know that maybe i'm i'm neutral to slightly positive about that's a lot of commitment so so when i think about like people like rop who play like two or three times a week wow that's a lot of hours you're putting into it but then again he you know he also loves it though so that's fine and he also doesn't have to do anything until basically 2 30 so you know that is true so not to be fair he does prep at home in the morning. You can prep on the golf course. I mm. bet you he's prepping on the golf course. Possibly. Walking up to his ball. What am I going to talk about today? He's like got his iPad out. He's walking up, like <laughs> yeah. typing up some notes. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. <laughs> like he hits his first shot and waits for the rest of his group to go, and he's just like typing away at the You know, that <laughs> shot reminded me. <laughs> should the Blazers fire Terry Stotts? That's a little uh, <laughs> Colin Cowherd-esque right there, the <laughs> random connection between one thing and the other thing. So um, when, you're, when you're playing golf. Right, you, you can hit it left, you can hit it right. But if you hit it straight, don't worry about it. You don't worry about anything then because that's how it's supposed to go. But it goes right, and it's not what you expect. Then you start to question everything. Am I doing things right? Uh, how long do you want me to go on this? Well, I was seeing where your sports <laughs> connection was coming. I kind of reminds see, me of the NBA. <laughs> I wanted to see what the tie-in was because like, I knew you were what? doing that completely on the fly. I was like, what's the tie-in, Joe, <laughs> to hitting a, a golf ball off to the right? What's the tie-in? Um, all right. Well, we actually will get to that Terry Stotts question next segment, but I wanted to to get into the Ducks a little bit here, too. First of all, we knew this was a possibility going into the tournament. Now, all of the news COVID-wise outside of this scenario has been good. Um, you know, there, there haven't been a lot of positive tests and the bubble thing has been working as far as I've I've been able to see. But apparently VCU had multiple positive tests in the last three days leading up to the game to Oregon. It wasn't just one. It wasn't just two. It was multiple on the team. And they are narrowing it down to being when they went to the A-10 tournament, which is their conference, which was in Dayton, Ohio. They were not staying in a bubble there. They were staying at a hotel that was open to the public. Uh, The refs were there. The A-10 teams were there. And the public was there. And I guess a lot of people weren't wearing masks uh, from what the stories I've been seeing. I'm not talking about the teams necessarily, but just generally the public wasn't wearing masks at this hotel. And I guess a couple of the refs who had stayed there caught COVID um, as well as now a couple of the players for VCU. So Oregon wins by default, no contest over VCU because of COVID. And they advanced to play Iowa in the second round of the tournament, the two-seed Iowa. You can say that they passed the test of the first round? You could. You just did. 
Yeah, I did. I did say it. I went there. It was a pretty daddy of a dad joke right there, but you did do it. COVID jokes. (laughs) I don't know if this is going to be a good thing for Oregon, though, because like Joe mentioned last hour, you're playing potentially the, the player of the year winner in college basketball in Luca Garza, who if you watched their first round game, which I saw a little bit of, but there were better games on at the time, he was just dominating. Now, I mean, they were playing a 15 seed, so, you know, well, we don't tell that to Ohio State, but they were playing a 15 seed, so, you know, it was it was fine that they were dominating. It was expected, I think, that they were dominating, but you go into this game as Oregon now having lost in the Pac-12 tournament, um, not ending your season on a high note, and then now not getting the rust off or the jitters out of the way in the first game. So now you're going in completely cold against a team who already played, who played very well against one of the best players in the country and frankly against one of the best teams in the country in Iowa. And you're going in completely cold. And that sucks if you're a Ducks fan. One, I feel like you, you're, you're happy that you advance, but you feel cheap. You know, feel cheap about it, right? Like you advanced on a technicality. You advanced because of the, another team couldn't play. So you're like, oh, cool. We, the Ducks made the second round in 2021 NCAA tournament, but they didn't beat anybody. They just made the second round by default. So I, I just, I, I really worry about them coming out cold in the game against a team that played two days ago or yesterday now, and it will be two, two days ago when they play and struggling off the bat and getting, getting themselves into too big of a hole against a really good team. Now it's Dana Altman. It's a guy that you would of course trust in, in March madness and you trust at the end of the season, he's proven time and time again that he is a great end of season head coach. And he was proving that again with Oregon this year because they got hot at the end of the season. And they won the regular season title in the Pac-12. Yeah, finished season 11 and two. Yeah, but this is going to be very, very interesting to see the first 10 minutes of the first half. Once they get into the, the later stages of the first half, you know, they'll get the leg, their legs under them and they'll some of the jitters will go away. We've seen that with a lot of the tournament games the first two days so far is that first 10 minutes has been clunky for a lot of teams. It's been close, low scoring, ugly, typical college basketball because there's nerves and there's some, you know, there's been a week layoff and all that kind of stuff. And so if, if Iowa builds themselves, you know, a 10, 15 point lead in that first 10 minutes, I think that's going to be a bit of a danger zone for the ducks. Now, if the ducks can keep it close, keep it within five, five to seven in that range and keep it within striking distance. And they, they start kind of getting their legs under them. I, okay, sure. Then maybe they can stay in this game, but I really view Iowa as one of the better teams in the country. And because of that, I think that's a really, really bad thing for the ducks to advance purely based on COVID. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, that first round, it's kind of get those first round jitters out of the way of being in the tournament. And when you're a seven seed, you need that game. I mean, if you're a two seed three, you know, anything above the three, you are expected to win and you have a little bit more of a leeway to make mistakes because you're not playing someone as good VCU 10 seed. I mean, they could easily have won that game, Mm -hmm. Uh, but having that not not able to shake the rust off coming off of a loss to a team that you should have beaten Oregon state in the PAC 12 tournament. So now your confidence is not what it was going into the PAC 12 tournament. You kind of question yourself, like, oh, should we even be in this second round? Because, again, we got in here by default. So they're going to have to come out quick. They're going to have to come out 
uh, aggressive because, yeah, Iowa, like you said, I think they're one of the better teams if, you know, things could have gone a certain way this year. They could have been a one seed. I think they are definitely one of those because this is the thing also with, like, this year in particular with the postponements, rescheduling, a lot of these teams that are the 5-4 seed, they could have been better this year and been a 2 seed. You know, those teams that are 2 seed, 1 seed, like Houston, Ohio State, they could have been a lower top 25 team this year if it was a regular season where everything goes according to plan. I think that this is kind of one of the season where you don't know who to trust, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Iowa, I know they're good. They're one of the best teams in the nation. They've been one of the better teams the last few years. So this is – and Luca Garza is very good. So Oregon needs to come out aggressive. They need to come out ready to play. Can't be lax days gold. They It's going to be a struggle for them the entire game, so they need to come out ready to play ASAP. Also, because they got a little bit underseeded, and I think a lot of people think the Ducks were a little underseeded, Pac-12 generally was underseeded based on how they've played so far at least is you get stuck with the two seed in your second matchup. You know, if right. they were a six or a five and they won and you'd be getting a little bit or, or, or they still won by default, I should say, you'd be getting a little bit of a closer matchup in terms of maybe being able to start slow, excuse me, and uh, still coming out with a win. I just think this is a really tough matchup for the Ducks. I really do. So uh, we did get a text that said getting in on a technicality might mean might mean just it, it would just mean the motivation to the ducks need to prove they belong yeah it goes um, both ways like i said it was like maybe they have less confidence because they're like oh man well we kind of got here because of a technicality but exactly now they want to show people like you know what we deserve to be here we would have rolled against vcu and this is what we can do against some of the top teams in the nation it's that that motivation can be there but their motivation doesn't hide rust and motivation doesn't right. hide you know, you saw a team get warm and play well two days ago, and you didn't. So you can be motivated, and that might help you keep it a little bit closer, but I, I just worry about that. Also got this text. You know, in the past, there's been a lot of heat on the Pac-12 about how poorly they have done in the tournament, but it seems like there's not a lot of chatter this year about how well they're doing so far. I've heard a lot, actually. Uh, I've been I've been kind of farting around on Twitter and, and listening to some of the – or listening to, reading some of the talking heads – and watching some of the little like videos or the live videos that are coming out. Um, the Pac-12 is getting love. They really are. And I talked about it last hour. I think the Pac-12 is set up based on the matchups that they have and how well they're playing to get a couple teams into the Sweet 16. And from that point on, you never know what's going to happen. You know, and from that point on, that's a good that that's a good finish anyway, right? A Sweet 16 is a great year. So I could see a couple Pac-12 teams making it there. And I think because of that, you'll even see even more increased love for how the Pac-12 did this year in the tournament, especially considering how they were looked at across the country. But okay. yeah, you want to talk about rust? It's literally been by the time by this time tomorrow, it's going to be like a week and a half since they played last. Yeah, at least yeah. they've been practicing, right? They didn't have any COVID. Like Virginia, who lost to Ohio, didn't practice for a week after they lost or after they they didn't lose after they had to leave the ACC tournament. And there was rust there. And, oh, you saw that yesterday. You definitely saw it. But they've been practicing, so that's good. But I, st- I think you will see a rough first 10 minutes for them. And then after that, depending on how close they are, then they'll, then they'll make it a game. That's, that's kind of how I view today's game. Uh, okay, tomorrow's game. In the morning, by the way. First game of the day. It's going to be 9 a.m. or like 9.15 a.m. And you can hear it 
right here on the fan. I do have to do a read, I realized. And since it's tournament related, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, this is for BetQL, who Ayo. has become a sponsor of Entercom and a partner of Entercom. Uh, 32 college basketball teams woke up this morning still dreaming of winning it all. Uh, and BetQL has data and insights on how to bet each of those 32 teams. Before you place another college basketball bet, you've got to check out BetQL. BetQL runs thousands of simulations and ranks them all on a scale of one to five stars. Five-star bets are your most profitable opportunities. So let BetQL help you cash in throughout the tournament. We started the day with 32 teams. So for today, only get 32% off with promo code March32 at betql.com slash march that's 32 percent off with promo code march 32 at betql.com slash march well i'm convinced we've been getting some of those emails actually sent to us because we're partners with them and they they send us like their their picks it's pretty well done um they give you your five-star picks and based on the value the odds are giving you and based on all the analytics and based on the simulations that they're running um although i'm going to throw this out there just as a little uh little jab is they had San Diego State as a five-star bet to beat Syracuse. Mike, don't say <sighs> That's a sponsor. All right, be careful. I just made a noise, that's all. Just made a noise. Hey, if you want to um, pile on top of that, I believe someone did text us last week saying, hey, man, San Diego State's got a lot of returning players. Watch out for them going to the Final Four. That wasn't on this show. That was on Hot Corner. Hot Corner. Right, right. And uh, I've had two people, it was two different people text me that San Diego State was going to wax the floor with Syracuse. Wax the floor? Yeah. Well, with, so here's the thing, right? With orange-scented pine saw. The, <laughs> this is, I've talked about this in the show before, but something I like to do, it's a bit of a jerk thing, but I like to go to the message boards and or Twitter follows of the team that my team just killed and read them crying. And... Uh, <laughs> I went to the San Diego State boards before and after the game just to actually, A, to see, like, what they were talking about with their own team and, B, then to see the reaction. And San Diego State last year before the tournament was canceled was, like, a top-10 team. They were, like, 30-3. and three. So this was – it for San Diego State fans, this year was the the culmination of two years of good basketball. Now, they weren't as good this year, clearly, because they were a six seed. But there was a lot of – ego around last year's san diego state team that they thought they were one of the best teams in the country so they thought oh 11 seed syracuse barely made the tournament maybe shouldn't even have made the tournament we'll wax the floor with them and i'm going uh, a non-power five conference team seeing the two three zone is never a recipe for success for any of those teams uh, and san diego state has a really bad history against syracuse and i thought it was a good draw and yeah they were very upset they were very, very upset. Well, that's just ACC basketball, you know, from the, the top of the conference to the bottom. Ah, uh, yes, know? the conference that lost every game but two <laughs> in the first two rounds of the tournament now has Florida State and Syracuse holding the flag for the ACC as everyone else sucked. And Rutgers? No, that's the Big Ten, dude. Ah, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I forget what that Rutgers whole... beat an ACC team in Clemson. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Not helping my point here. Nope. Yeah, this whole uh, Big East shakeup over the last few years makes me forget who went where. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's get to Little Blazers next, huh? Maybe Sounds good. Enough college basketball. There has been a little bit more chatter, and uh, some of it coming from a Jason Quick article on The Athletic, where ownership is now taking a much more active look, or, or at least a much more interested in look of if Terry Stotts is the right guy defensively. 
Can the Blazers save his job, and can he save his job by playing better defense down the stretch? That is next. Sports Sunday on the fan. Yeah, come on. Dance for me, baby. Uh-oh, you feel that? All right. Come on. Don't stop now. You done did it. Come on. Uh, yeah. All right. Hold on. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Oh, I know this song. I think you switched from nostalgia music to grinding music. <laughs> well, uh, That's what you switched. This is what I was talking about as far as like music, uh, you know, dancing at high school. This song basically sums up dancing in high school. It really does, especially for our age group, yes. I wonder what songs, you won't know this yet because you're, Joey's eight, right? Seven, eight? Yep, just turned eight. Um, I wonder what they're dancing to in like high school now. I know that sounds very old and fuddy-duddy of me, considering I'm only 31, but like th- this, at least especially in my high school, uh, first of all, country was not a thing that anybody in my high school listened to. So if you grew up listening to the country, I don't understand. Um, I-, I grew up in a very urban town and a very diverse high school. So rap and R&B was a very popular genre in my high school. And, and actually rap had kind of become pop by the time I was in high school too. But I wonder what they're listening to now because back then it was like that. It was that R&B pop rap love song that was the go-to, right? Like, what, what is it now? Are they listening to, like, EDM? Are they listening to, like, mumble rap? Is it rave at high school dances now? Right. Is it mumble rap? Like, I know those two genres have gotten really popular. I just don't know if they're popular with the kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a real good question. I'm sure... What is played at high school dances is just what you hear on the radio. Okay. Because a lot of high school kids like... I guess that's true, because that was on the radio when we were in high school. For sure. I mean, like, there's a lot of songs that uh, are, you know, popular in hip-hop right now among teenagers, and you you hear them on social media and everything, that there's no way that they're playing that at high school dances. Like, right, exactly. Th- no way. Like, but I know that it's super popular because of the internet and like WAP, right? Or, <laughs> or however you say it, WAP. I think it's WAP. Is it WAP? I don't know. I don't your, know. Your guess is as good as mine. The I, Cardi B, <laughs> Megan The Stallion song. That uh, song, I'm just shocked, is on the radio in right. any capacity. Like, how is that song even censored? The <laughs> name of the song is not allowed on radio. And even just listening to it, it's like there's just like a a silence every like like two seconds because there's oh, is that some, how it goes? something being said that can't be said on the radio. It's like, <laughs> why even attempt this? What what was the point? Like we're dancing to songs about love and then that's the dance song at a high school prom. It's like, whoa, we've yeah. gone down the deep end of that. huh? Yeah. I think a lot of Dua Lipa is being played at the high school dances. You know who that is? I only know who that is because I watched the Hot Ones episode with her. Gotcha. I realize she's an artist and she was pretty cool on that. That show is a really good judge of if someone is actually a human, <laughs> because once the spice starts hitting the, their walls come down because they're in like self-protect mode. They show their true selves. She actually, I don't know what her nationality is, but she was a champ. She took that spi- those spicy wings down like it was nothing. So I got a lot of respect for her after that. I don't know anything about her music. 
I know what she looks like because of that episode of you on YouTube, but beyond that, I know nothing. Jon Snow. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just a lot of radio hits because, again, if any of the kids were able to request what songs they wanted to hear, there's no way that would apply with the staff. A lot of Travis Scott, maybe. Is he safe? There might be some radio versions of songs of his, but again, <laughs> the Travis Scott that I listen to, if they play that, the uh, they play that at high school dances. I'd be I'd be shocked, but also jealous because I wish it'd be my high school. <laughs> well, you went to high school that made you not dance close together. Yeah, again, this yeah, and that's maybe my perspective is skewed a bit because of at your high school dances. <laughs> they play A B C D E F G. Don't look at her. Do you want that bracelet cut? <laughs> H I, and you're all just like just dancing slowly lengths apart (laughs) all right well we have to break next blazers terry stops first joe has sports weekend sports with a difference this is sports sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan 1032 here on your Sunday morning. CBS on the TV for the first game of the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Eight seed Loyola Chicago leads one seed Illinois 42. Now 44 to 36, 1240 to go in the game. Lots of chatter on Twitter that this game was particularly unfair for both teams as Loyola Chicago is much better than an eight seed and Illinois deserves a better second round matchup than a really good Loyola Chicago team. But Hey, what do we care? We're just here to see some good basketball. So hopefully Illinois gets close to make this an exciting finish down the stretch. But before we spend the entire show on high school dances and college basketball, I wanted to get a little blazers in because there's been a little bit more heat and maybe a lot more heat on Blazers head coach Terry Stotts the last couple of weeks because of the defense of the team. He went, apparently this was, this is almost all from Jason quick stories over the last few weeks in the athletic, but in the second half or in the, in the break in the all-star break right before the second half of the season, he talked to the team and gave them a goal of being a top half defensive team in the NBA in the second half of the season. And I guess in that meeting, Robert Covington said, hey, let's try to be a top 10 defensive team in the second half of the season. That's all well and good. You know, let's motivate the guys. The defense hasn't been very good. There have been some bright spots in it. You know, you've seen moments where where the defense has played well together. And Robert Covington's had a very good defensive year, as has Derek Jones Jr. And frankly, Anders Cantor, considering his limitations as a defender, has done pretty well as, as well. But they're still, they were still the 28th ranked defense in the league at the time. And, you know, bright spots or not, they were giving up way too many points. They begin the second half by losing to the Suns, who shot over 50% from the floor, splitting two games with the Timberwolves, who in both games they shot at or above 51% from the floor and just looked dreadful on defense. Now they also dropped a spot defensively to 29th after those after those first couple of games in the second half of the season and then in the game against the pelicans which took the 50 point damian lillard amazing performance comeback win plus the pelicans completely blowing up in the last seven minutes 
the Pelicans shot like 55% from the floor until the end of that game. It was just like four straight games of, oh my God, there's no defense on this team. And in one of those Jason Quick articles, he did say that ownership, Jody Allen watches all the games, and that ownership was starting to get a little bit more involved or worried or whatever with the defense of the team because Neil O'Shea spent most of this offseason bringing in better defensive players to make the defense better because what was their big weakness? Defense. And, well, it was worse than it has been in a very, very long time. Now, in the last couple of games, their second one against the Pelicans, 101 to 93, a very good defensive game all the way through. And their game against the Mavericks the other night, uh, they really, really clamped down on defense late in that game in the fourth quarter to beat the Ma- They were down in that game to come back and beat Dallas. So those are small good signs. But because of how bad the defense has been, there's a lot more pressure on Terry Stotts, who's in his ninth year with the team, who's been there forever, to make that step that he almost has never made as a head coach. And that is have a great defense. There's been, I think two of his nine years that he's been here have been good above average to good defenses. Otherwise they've been in the twenties or bad, you know, they've been middling or they've been bad. And some of that comes down to the players, but generally a lot of it comes down to the way that Terry Stotts coaches defense as well. And I'm really curious to see how the second half goes to see if Terry Stott starts feeling that pressure and changes things up or if he feels like he's safe because that defense needs to be better. And like you mentioned, I mean, the last two games have been, I'm not going to say two games. It's really the last game in one quarter, last half of a quarter. Yeah, because the (laughs) Mavericks, they still put up 119 and the way that the game was going is they were looking like they're going to win that game and put up another 120 something points and Blazers were in the defensive woes. But, and again... They only scored 21 in the fourth quarter, though. Right, and they went, like, 5 of, like, 15 or something after the eight-minute mark. So the Blazers put the clamps on them towards the end, and then you see that. You're like, oh, great, all right, cool. They played some defense to lock them down in the end and got the victory, cool. Then your next thing that comes to mind is, why can't they do that for four quarters? Is it... A focus thing is that they're just so worried about offense and getting up 43 pointers and just outscoring their opponent and trying to win the game that way that they just completely lose focus on the defensive end. I mean, what what is wrong with the fact of just being from the tip to the end, locking them down, being in their grill, in their kitchen for four quarters, giving them zero space to operate? Uh, you saw it work well against the Pelicans, held them to a season low, 93 points. That's their best. And that's the thing is that's season low for them is 93 points. Like I know in the NBA teams are putting up a hundred with ease. And that's usually the average. Unless for... you're playing the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Who Thibodeau has that defense dialed in. Yes. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's frustrating as hell, especially coming in after the all-star break when everyone's like, yep, focus is defense. Yep. Want to be a top defensive team from uh, Olshay to Stotts to Lillard to all of them saying like, yep, that's going to be our focus. And then right out of the gate, four straight games. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's working out well. see that, that focus and you guys want to be better on that. end. that's really coming through. And again, maybe it's the whole, it takes time after resetting and, 
after the break as far as what you are prioritizing as a team. And maybe this is the start of something with the Pelicans game in that fourth quarter against Dallas, but going to need a lot bigger sample size than a game in a fourth quarter comeback right. to basically change the perception of this team. Cause perception is reality. You guys stink on defense and that's what it is. Plain so and simple. The way I view it is it's the same as it always has been. And there is a big problem with the grass is always greener thought process when looking for coaches in the NBA. There are not many better options than Terry Stotts. Well, yeah, it's the whole, all right, let's fire him, but who do you get? Exactly. Um, You know, I don't know if this is realistic or not. I don't know if this is something that he'd be interested in. Right now, it feels like the situations are quite similar at the two, although last year he made a finals. But Eric Spolstra is from here. That would be a better hire than Terry Stotts, in my opinion. I think Eric Spolster is a better head coach than Terry Stotts. And he has the local ties where maybe, just maybe, he'd be interested in leaving Miami for here. I feel like the Miami and Portland are similar teams. Miami's in the easier conference, but they also did make a finals last year in the bubble. So what, what, what do I know, right? And then, you know, you can go the assistant route. Former Blazers assistant David Vanderpool, who is the associate head coach in Minnesota, who got overlooked when they fired Ryan Saunders and they hired, I forget the name of their new coach, but they didn't even really consider David Vanderpool. He is a favorite of CJ and Dame. And apparently he was the defensive assistant coach when they had some of those better defenses in the last few years. than they do now when he left two years ago, the defense went from like sometimes being good to never being good. So that could be a guy. Also, we got a text that says bring in Becky Hammond, you know, uh, pop stop assistant in San Antonio. She has a looks like she's becoming a very good up and coming assistant coach in the NBA and potentially could be a head coach in the future. Although I have a feeling she might want to take over for pop when pop retires, which I have a feeling is not going to be too far from down the road from here. Um, there are options out there that you could think of that I think could work, but on the grass is always greener thing. Here's the thing you have to consider. And you have to be willing to sacrifice is that Terry Stotts is not a good defensive coach. We know that that is a fact, but Terry Stotts is a, a is an amazing offensive coach. The Blazers offenses in, the, in his tenure have been some of the best in the NBA and continue to be one of the best in the NBA. You might not, you might not like the style of offense that he has, but you cannot deny that with the players at his disposal, the Blazers offense is a well oiled machine. They score points at will, and even though their defense is dreadful, they're still above 500 in part because of how good Danny Lillard is, but also because they score a lot of points, and they can outscore a lot of teams. So if you're going to get rid of Terry Stotts, can you get a coach who is going to be as good offensively as Terry Stotts is? That's a big risk. Do you want to make the defense better, but you know, squash a little bit of what Damon, what, what makes Damon CJ so good. That's another question you have to ask yourself. Are you willing to accept that dip in offense for a better defense? You know, I think that gives you a more well-balanced team, but so much of the fun of watching the Blazers is just how good they are in offense too. So you gotta, there may be other options other than firing stats that, that 
allows you to succeed defensively. I don't know what that is necessarily. Maybe it's bringing it, rehauling the entire staff or something like that. Um, it also depends, like, and there's the, the whole other angle that you haven't even talked about is that Damian Lillard has always been the massive supporter of Terry Stotts and has said in his, in his career in the past that he wants Terry Stotts to be his coach his whole career. Now, I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if, you know, he's at the point in his career where he sees where the Blazers are at and says, you know, if I want to win a title here, I need something to change. That might be the case, but you, you're going to risk upsetting your superstar if you fire Terry Stotts. Just another thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, just quickly, I personally think that this team is talented offensively enough to where if you go with a defensive hire that it's not going to be too substantial of a hit to their offense because, A, they do a lot of ISO anyways with Dame and CJ, and I just think that they have enough skill on that offensive side of the ball that I don't think it would be like such a drastic dip in play that they're going to be, you know, not good anymore. They're well, just it's not, not be... about not being good. It's just about well, limiting the potential. Right, right. But again, I think it's it's worth it in the end because you've seen throughout this whole season people say that a a defense this low is not going to win a title. And I don't know what the franchise's goals are, the team's goals are. I mean, I, I would think that every team wants to win an NBA title. And if that's your goal, you got to be better defensively, plain and simple. You're not going to win it as a below, top, like, under 20 ranked team on the defensive end. You got to be top 15, top 10. So I think this team is uh, skilled enough on the offensive side of the ball that if you go the defensive route for coaching, they'll be fine. And as far as, you know, the whole Terry Stotts being fired and Dame wants him as a coach, maybe it takes a hire like a David Vanderpool to be like, oh, okay, well, that's... We'll just bring one of your best friends best friends into the <laughs> yeah, fold. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, okay, I feel much better now. Or you bring in a proven head coach, like you are saying, Spolstra, that it's, okay, this guy knows how to coach and I should feel good about it because it's not like some assistant coach from Oklahoma City that... Oh, people have said great things about him, you know, has a proven track record. So, yeah, I, I, by the way, I'm pulling the Eric Spolstra completely out of my ass. It's just right. Right. He's local and he's good. It, it and makes that's sense. Why, There's no speculation, obviously, towards it. No. But, yeah. and, and does he want to leave Miami? I have no idea. Probably not. I mean, or is there anywhere that would pull him away from Miami? I have no idea. Yeah. It's just I, I just thought of it because I consider him in the upper echelon of coaches in the NBA. And, you know, most of those guys are not leaving their jobs. But if one of them does, maybe it is to go home if he wants to come back to Portland. So uh, the couple of wins in a row is good. It takes some of the heat off of Terry Stotts, but it's got to be way more consistent. And you got to see much better defense and a very tough second half schedule for the Blazers. Plus, you just got given the gift that LeBron James is going to be out indefinitely. Like get use use this second half of the season when the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis and don't have LeBron James and just try to get as high up in the West as you can. I mean, if the Jazz and the Suns can do it, the Blazers can do it. They just got to put the effort in on defense. So hopefully, hopefully they can do that. All right, let's wrap this show up with uh, one final segment next. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Joe today on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 
One final segment to go here on Sports Sunday. Under seven minutes to go in the first game of this round of 32. Top seed Illinois down eight to eight seed Loyola Chicago, 54-46. Good, uh, good end to a game coming here. You can see it. Loyola Chicago is pretty good for an eight seed. And Illinois has been a really fun team to watch all year. So it's one of those matchups that, you know, with Illinois down, you can kind of see them trying to up the pressure. But I was going to bring this up just to wrap the show. One of my favorite things about the NCAA tournament, and I think it's the same for most people, but it's it's being proven right in front of my eyes here with Loyola Chicago again, is these small schools, smaller schools, that have really tall, awkward-looking white guys who are incredibly highly skilled once they start playing. The poster child of this to me yesterday was the center for Eastern Washington. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you see the Eastern Washington guy yesterday? I did. Well, he was he, their <laughs> brothers, apparently. But the center, I mean, he looks like Sasquatch slash a hippie from the Pacific Northwest, which fits, I suppose, in Eastern Washington. But he's over here, like, hitting threes and passing the ball well, and then... Loyola's got this guy in the middle uh, who is just playing incredible <laughs> this game. He's got a great eye for the pass. He's been really good in the paint. And a subpar it, mustache, I will say. Oh, it's an awful mustache, yes. But, you know, facial hair, you got to try, right? You know, you got to try, I think, when you're in when a tournament. Well, you really don't. I mean. <laughs> You've tried facial hair. And it's from the comments I receive, it works well. I, the the stash may come back here soon. It's fun, yeah. I think I think the stash is good on you, but it, it makes me feel not not that I'm as tall as these guys in college, but it makes me feel extra bad about how bad I was at basketball growing up, because I was always the tall kid, always. I'm still the tall guy, right? I mean, I'm six four. I mean, for basketball, I'm not tall, but for life, I'm tall, and. When I was growing up, I was always the tall kid. So I was like, oh, play basketball, Mike. Go be the center, Mike. And you're like 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, I'm 6'4", yeah. Oh. Go get all the rebounds, Mike. So you're a shooting guard at best in basketball. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, it's almost unfair that you're forced into that be the big body role because if you actually are good, how on earth are you going to play that role at 6'4"? <laughs> right? You don't. No, exactly. So yeah. it's just it's just one of those. It's funny, but it makes me feel bad because I see all these really awkward, tall white guys. I was an awkward, tall white guy, <laughs> and I was terrible. I was really bad. I I was. I remember playing in college in intramurals, and I I you know my my team. It was my friends, but they were happy to have me because I was big. Until they realized that I had no skill. The glass cleaner. I was very good at getting rebounds. Yes, because I was <laughs> tall. I can jump and grab a ball. I, I find myself to be fairly athletic. I mean, you can laugh at that if you'd like, but I, I consider myself a fairly athletic person. But for whatever reason, the actual basic skills of basketball were very hard for me. I had, I had a friend on my team in intramurals in college who would try to teach me, like, when you're backing down into the paint, like, these are some skill moves you can do. Like you some can post moves. Yeah, here's some post moves. You can, you know, do a hard dribble down and do a little spin and whatever. Like, he was trying to teach me. And I was looking at him like, you want me to do anything other than go right up and try to put the ball <laughs> in the basket? You want me to dribble? Because every time I dribble, the ball gets stolen and or I dribble it off my foot. At best, you're getting a bunny hook from me. Oh, At best. I wouldn't even have said that. At best, you're getting a 
layup that's on the other side of the basket from my dominant hand with my dominant hand still. <laughs> I couldn't use my left-handed layups. I, if I was on the other side of the hoop, I would still go up with my right hand awkwardly against the glass. Um, I was good at shooting free throws. That was about it. You know, repetitive motion. It was close enough to the basket. Every once in a while, I could shoot the jumper. But if you wanted me to do anything other than shoot, rebound, or put it up in a layup, I was useless. And seeing these guys have all this skill and all these moves, and I'm just like, man, I'm, I could have been better at basketball. Yeah, I always think that um, I'm better at basketball, um, especially, of course, when I'm playing against my eight-year-old son, and I'm just just demolishing him, <laughs> just crossing him up, just embarrassing him. And then if I were to play against full-grown adults, then that skill would just diminish. <laughs> I heard him yelling at you in there. <laughs> <laughs> he has his days, but then there are some times uh, where, you know, you just got to show him who's boss. Yeah. I, I have this I have this ability for maybe six more years. I say when he gets to probably 13, 14, that's when that deficit will start to get closed. Well, that's, you'll also be, what, 35 at that point? See, that's still a good age for it, athletics. I mean, it's a decent age, but you're going to notice that your body's not going to be able to do what it can. What, I started noticing it this year. I'm 31. This last year, my body has started saying, like, hey, you idiot, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> You he, can't do this anymore. He honestly might be in trouble till he's 16, 17. Unless he gets to high school. He's a pretty small kid. Yeah. If he gets to high school and uh, what I'm trying to teach him starts showing up in the games, then he might be able to start cooking me at 14, 15. Mm. But we'll see. I also have that uh, dad strength on him. So. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. If you missed any of it and you want to listen, Let's Swap Tires podcast on the radio.com app and on radio.com. Enjoy the tournament games today. Go Beavs, go Ducks. Next two days, remember, Ducks are on the fan tomorrow morning, 8.30 pregame in the morning, 9.10 tip against two-seed Iowa. Beavs are on today. And go Syracuse as they're playing West Virginia today in a couple hours as well. I'll be out next week. It'll be Joe and Rashad. Have a very good rest of your Sunday.